Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Hey, today we're going to read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. If you'll turn there, Luke chapter 2, we're going to talk about this, what we learn from Christmas. A lot of things we can learn from Christmas, uh, and we're going to look at them. For 43 years, I've had people telling me, as we've pastored this church, uh, people have said, hey, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas, it's a pagan holiday. Uh, I've had people say to me uh, that... Uh, you can't, that we don't know that Jesus was born on December 25th. And do we? No, we don't. But it's a great day to celebrate. Uh, it's a great day anytime you want to. If you want to celebrate in April, that's fine. Uh, just bring me some hot chocolate. Uh, and we can celebrate any time of the year. But it's chosen that today, uh, or on December 25th, we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should. What do we learn from the Christmas story? What are the, some things, some really powerful truths that we learn about our God and about Uh, about the Word of God from the Christmas story. Let's read it together in Luke chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 20. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, I don't like taxing. I don't like tax. I don't like it when somebody says they're going to raise taxes. We hear about that uh, every year during the political season. Uh, we, I don't like the idea of raising taxes, but God was even in control of this. It's amazing. Our God was in control of Caesar Augustus. The taxes had to be raised because Joseph and Mary had to move from Nazareth, a very incon inconvenient time for them to move. She's nine months pregnant. She's going to move from Nazareth. She's going to go 70 miles south to Bethlehem. She's got to go there because that is where their ancestral home is. And according to Caesar Augustus, everyone needed to be taxed. There needed to be taken a census. Everybody needed to go back to their ancestral homes. So Joseph and Mary had to pack up and go down to Bethlehem And that was decreed by Caesar Augustus. But it really wasn't decreed by Caesar Augustus. It was decreed by the God of the universe who had said 700 years before through a prophet named Micah that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. God is able to do anything. Can you say amen to that? So, the Bible says, and this taxing, verse 2 was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And so Joseph and Mary also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. This was proof that he was a descendant of David, and the Messiah had to be a descendant of David. So God is working through all of that's going on for the, for the protection of his child. I love this. So they went. Verse 5, why? To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Many people say, well, it's terrible that he was born in a barn. My mother used to accuse me of being born in a barn. And I, I used to think, well, she should know she was there. Uh, but um, <clears throat> he was born in a barn. People say, hey, that's a terrible thing that Jesus was born in a barn. No, you need to understand the way an inn is. Sometimes we think, we're so American in our mind thinking, we think of an inn as a, you, play, you, go, you go there, you, you go to your individual room, holiday inn, uh, and you give them your American Express and you go to your private room. That's not the way an inn was back then. An inn was a great big open hall like this. And when you walked in and you went into an inn, you would be in with all the people that were in the inn. The inn was an inn because you weren't out, you were in. And uh, so, uh, so people would go to the inn. Well, there was, there was no privacy in that type of inn. But when they were going to have this child, you want privacy. And they were able to go to the barn, and they were able to have this child in the barn, and Mary would have received the privacy, privacy that she so craved. And so the Bible says, there was a place prepared. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in uh, swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in, for them in the inn. And there were, in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord. Every time I read this to my children or my grandchildren, I say, lo, now that's the the shortest angel in the Bible. It's my Christmas joke, okay? And, And lo, that's his name, the angel of the Lord. Some of you will catch that later, maybe three weeks from now. But, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. They're out in the dark. The angels come and burst through the dark and bring the light. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, it's as though the heavenly hosts were holding back and waiting and waiting and waiting, and they couldn't wait any longer. And as soon as the announcement was made, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christmas should be celebrated. Can you say amen to that? I mean, they're excited about this. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go now into Bethlehem and see this thing which is to come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And, as, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned again, celebrating, glorifying, and praising God for all the things they had heard and had seen as it was told 
unto them. Father, I pray as we're looking at your birth, the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, first of all, we thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming and giving yourself. We thank you, Father, that through your death, burial, and resurrection in the person of Jesus, that we can have everlasting life. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to communicate the truths that are here in this story. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to uh, rejoice <clears throat> during this season as they did at that birth. And Father, I, I pray this, that you might be glorified. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you ask God right now just to teach you some things that will help you share the Christmas story with others? Oh, Father, I thank you for the privilege of sharing your truth. Use this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There are multiple uh, truths that we can find from this story. Today I've selected six of them. I want you to, to, to look with me at six things that we can learn from the Christmas story that, that have impacted your life and will impact others. Number one, the first thing is this, that God loves us. God loves us. It is absolutely obvious in this story that God loves us. Now, there's a lot of things that I don't understand about God. I have been walking with God for 45 years. There's some things I don't understand about him, and I don't think I'm going to totally comprehend them until I see him face to face. Uh, the Bible tells us, for instance, uh, that, that God the Father sent his son. In, John, in, in 1 John, the Bible says, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Then it's an amazing thing that a father would send his son knowing that his son was going to be rejected and his son was going to die. That's an amazing thing to me. I don't understand that. <clears throat> Jose, I don't understand how the Father could do that. The Bible says the Father, however, sent the Son. That's astounding. That's an amazing. Why? So he could save the world. Because he cared about you. He cared about me. He loves us. But the Bible doesn't just say that the Father sent the Son. The Bible also tells us this. And this is so, this is so perplexing. It says that God the Son is the Father. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long a time with you? The disciples came to Jesus and said, look, we just want to see the Father. We want to see the Father. Jesus is always talking about the Father. So he said, we want to see the Father. And he says, have I been so long a time with you? And yet hast thou not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So the Father that sent Jesus, according to Jesus, was Jesus. That's confusing. You say, I don't understand that. I don't either. Uh, you say, that's beyond my comprehension. Yes, it is. You see, if you could comprehend everything that's true about God, then he wouldn't be God. Say amen to that. Our God is, is beyond our comprehension. Our God is one, and yet he is three. The Bible says this, that God the Holy Spirit placed Jesus in the womb of Mary. In Luke 1.35, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto him, unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It's the Holy Spirit that placed Jesus in the womb of Mary. That's amazing. That's, 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 that's supernatural. That's beyond our comprehension. 
but, but this also is beyond our comprehension. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, which placed Jesus in the womb of Mary, is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but ye are not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Note this, that the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, is the Spirit of Christ. These are one and the same. So Jesus placed himself within the womb of Mary. And yet the Holy Spirit placed him, and yet it was the Father that did that. We have an amazing God that is that is beyond our comprehension and there's a lot of things about God that we can't understand. That there is one God and he reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and yet they are three individual persons. And for the last 2,000 years, people have tried to explain that, but you can't explain that. There's just one God and he's in three persons. And that is the reality. He, there are things about God that you and I cannot comprehend and, and, and only will when we see him face to face. But this is one thing that we can comprehend about God, that he loves us, that he loves us and he loves us unconditionally. He doesn't love you because you're a good boy. He doesn't, get mad. he doesn't hate you because you're a bad boy. He doesn't love you because, oh, you did good. I love you. Oh, he doesn't do that. He loves you as a sinner. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5. It says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jonathan, he died for you ungodly. You're ungodly, and he died for you. He died for you because you're ungodly. He loves you, Tim, as an ungodly sinner. That's an amazing thing. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man, one would die. Very seldom will somebody die for somebody that is righteous. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. Kyle, I might see you somewhere and I think, that's a good man, and he's about to be hit by a truck, and I might, I might say, hey, I want to save his life and push you out of the way and die to save you. I might do that. That's what he says. Even, I might dare to die. But listen, God commendeth his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Wow. Laramie, he knew how wicked we were. See, it, was, it wasn't a good man. It was the guy, the neighbor, who's always messing things up. It's the guy that cusses you out. It's the guy that t- treats you terrible. He's the one standing in front of the truck. And you're going to jump out and push him out of the way? No, you're going to say, oh, finally, he's getting what he deserves. That's the way human nature is. Can you say amen to that? I mean, you watch the movie, you watch the movie so that at the end, the bad guy finally gets it, right? But the Bible says, God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, not when we were good. Wow. Our God loves us, and he loves us unconditionally. He loves us beyond what we can comprehend, our God loves us. That's the first thing we learn from the Christmas story. 
The second thing we learn is this, that we need a Savior. Can you say amen to that? If the Christmas story tells us nothing else, it tells us we need a Savior. We are no good. We are wicked. Let me give you some great news about yourself. The Bible says you're vile. Here's what God says about us in Romans. He says this, <clears throat> as it is written, he's, this is Paul quoting Old Testament scripture. There is none righteous. You say, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. No, not one. Not you, nobody. There is none that understandeth. Well, I understand things of God. No, you don't. We just showed you. You can't understand. You can't comprehend God. There's none that understands. There's none that are seeking after God. Well, I sought God all my life when I finally found him. No, you sought what you wanted and God found you. Say amen to that. The Bible says there's none that understand. There's none that seek after God. They're all gone out of the way. You don't go the right way. They are together become unprofitable. There's nothing profitable about you for God. God didn't say, oh, I need that guy working for me. There's none, you, you, they're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. Well, I do good things. No, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. One of my family members said to me, your mouth smells like a septic tank. That's not nice. But that's what God says to every one of us. Your throat is like an open sepulcher. You open up a, a, a tomb that's, where someone's been dead a few days and the smell is, will just knock you out. Your throat's an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. You lie and you say bad things about people. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. The ways of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is you. This is what God says about you. God says we are all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We can't do anything to reconcile ourselves back to God. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven. We need a Savior. I had a friend when I was in the seventh grade. I, I knew him all the way through my high school years. His name was Billy Johnson. Billy Johnson was a Boy Scout. And he was a, uh, a high-ranking Boy Scout. Uh, he had, uh, uh, there used to be a magazine put out by Boy Scouts of America, I, just, I don't know if it's still put out, it's called, it was called Boy's Life. On the back of the magazine, every year, every month, they would have an article that was in comic form of a, a particular Boy Scout who had done something very meritorious in the, last, uh, in the last month or in the last year. One of the back covers was about a man, or a young man, a, a Boy Scout, who out at Lake Mead had, uh, had seen a man that was drowning, a Native American man was drowning. He was on a boat with his father. He saw this Native American man dr drowning, and the Bible, or not the Bible, the, the story goes on to tell about how this young man jumped out of the boat and swam over to where this, uh, this man was drowning, and he just circled him and circled him and circled him until he gave up and was about to die, and then he reached in, grabbed him by, by his, uh, underneath his arms, and swam him to safety and saved his life. That, that, that young man was my friend, Billy Johnson. 
Billy showed me that article, and I said, wow, that's amazing. And I learned some things about people who are lifeguards and people who save other people's lives. Do you know that if a lifeguard goes out into a, uh, a lake or a, 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 a pool and somebody is drowning, that they can do nothing for them if, they are doing, uh, do, if they're trying to save themselves? In fact, if you go and try to save somebody who's trying to save themselves, you could wind up drowning with them. So a person who is a lifeguard and trained to be a lifeguard will go out to where a man is drowning and circle around them and circle around them and circle around them while they're saying, help me, save me, save me. And they'll stay circling around them until that person finally gives up in exhaustion, realizing they can do nothing to save themselves and will allow their arms to go down. And when that happens and they give up, then the person can reach around them and save them. But you cannot save somebody if they're still trying to save themselves. Billy knew that, knew that truth, told me that story. It's amazing. People that are drowning need someone to do something for them that they cannot do for themselves. And the Bible says about you and I that we are drowning men and women, that we, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves we need a Savior. There's nothing you can do to be good enough to get to heaven. In fact, this is not the only description that God gives us. God gives us this description of, our, of ourselves. This is not the person next to you. This is you. This, let's, just, let's, just, let's just cite this in. Right, this, let this hit you right between the eyes. For this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. These are the last days. Perilous times are here. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's you. Covetous, that's you. Boasters, that's you. Proud, that's you. Blasphemers, that's you. Disobedient to parents, that's you. Unthankful, that's you. Unholy, that's you. Without natural affections, that's you. Truce breakers, that's you. False accusers, that's you. You say, no, that's not me. God says it's you. You can argue with God. Uh, Incontinent, that means without self-control. Fierce, that means mean. Despisers of those that are good, that's you. Traitors, that's you. Heady, that's you. High-minded, that's you. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, that's you. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's every one of us. Let's say this together. That's me. Let's say that. That's me. Oh, you're not very enthusiastic about that. You don't want to claim this? Let's say it. Let's stand together. Let's own this. That's me. That's me. That's me. You say, well, that's not me. I don't care about any of these other people. That's just not me. I deny the fact that I am that kind of sinner. I just, you just don't understand. The Bible says all those things are in your flesh. It's part of you. That's me. That's you. God says it. It makes it very clear. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need a Savior. The, the reason you don't think that's you is, is because you're proud. You don't think that's you because, because, um, because you're, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You say, I, I'm just not that bad. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John. John, and by the way, John is the beloved disciple. What that means, Carlos, is that John is the easiest on us because he's just the nice guy. You got Peter saying, you rotten, that's Peter. 
You got Paul saying, here's the point. Here's John. I love you. I care about you. You're wonderful people. I want you to understand this. You know, we love Jesus. We have fellowship with Jesus. Jesus wants fellowship with us. But then, G- but then John says, here it is, Justin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. Mingo, if I say, I haven't got any sin, I haven't done it, I'm not that way. I'm deceiving myself, and the truth is not in us. Wow, if I'm that bad, what do I do? If we confess our sin, if we admit, yeah, that's me, that's me. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. We get washed. I don't have to prove to everybody how perfect I am. I'm not. And God loves me in spite of that. That's why he sent the Savior. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, again, what are we calling? We're making him a liar. We're saying, God, you're lying. I'm not that bad. Rob, everybody knows you're that bad. It's just the way it is. We're all sinners. Just confess it to God. uh, And we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. Christmas tells us, look, God loves us. says, number two, we need a Savior. Say amen to that. We need a Savior. We, we, we get saved through confessing, I'm a sinner. I know that you died for me, that you paid for my sin. That's why Jesus came. Not just to be born in a manger. Not just to live for 33 years and show us what a perfect life was. He came to die and, and pay for our sins in our place He was buried three days later. He rose from the dead. And now if I ask him to give me eternal life, I can have eternal life. The third thing we learn is this, that Christmas is all about giving. Christmas is all about giving. We see one thing after another after another of giving in this story. Mary gave her body. In in verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, it says, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. He, she said, okay, after the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to have this child. It's going to change your life totally. She said, my body is yours. Use me any way that you want me to. Total surrender. She gave her body. The innkeeper, as we saw earlier, gave his barn. In, Luke, in verse 7, the Bible says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was a place, and he had it available, and he gave, the, the, he gave his stable to Mary and Joseph. The angels gave glory to God. In, in verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. They didn't say, look at us, look at how glorious we are. No, they gave glory to God. They, were, they said, we're here to reflect God. Of course, as we've already said, God the Father gave his son. In verse 11, it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God the Father gave the son. And then the Bible tells us in Galatians that God the Son gave himself. In Galatians 1.4, the Bible says, who gave himself for our sins, that, we might deliver, that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of our Father. It's all about giving. Christmas is all about giving. 
the end of the service, we'll ask you to come up here. We'll ask you to take that, your little red box and put it in this great big red box. There's already some boxes down there from the first service. We'll ask you to do that. Why? Because Christmas is all about giving. It's all about giving. It's God giving us his son. People say, why do you give presents at Christmas? Why, why would I give Chris a, a present? Why would I give Mark a present? Why would I do that? Why do we do that if it's Christ's birthday? Because the Bible tells us that we as children of God are the body of Christ. The Bible tells us this. Jesus said, if I've done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren, I've done it unto you. You've done it unto me. Jesus said that. If I want to do something for, for him, then find the least of one of these, my brethren, do it to me. I, get, I say, here, this is for you. What am I doing? I, if I give it in the name of Christ, I'm giving it to Jesus. So, so giving Christmas presents is something we do in celebrating the birth of Christ because as we give to one another, we give to Christ. It's a wonderful thing that we, we need to remember that Christmas teaches us that giving is so important. Christmas is all about giving. The fourth thing we learn is this, and this is so, so important. It's important for your for your life and for my life. We learn that Jesus is 100% man. He is 100% man. He was born. He lived. He suffered what you and I live and suffer. He went through what you, he knows what it is to get, be cold in the morning, to get up and be cold in the morning. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to be weary. The Bible tells us that he was born of a virgin. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall, shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That is, he is 100% God, but he is with us 100%. He is man. How can you have 100% and 100%? He's got to be 50% God and 50% man. No, no, no. He is 100% God and 100% man. You can't do that. That's 200%. God can do what you can't do. Say amen. amen. See, God can do. He's, he's beyond our comprehension. We've already covered that. But he is God. He, he knows everything you feel. He did, he, he, why was he born of a virgin? Because he, he did not inherit, he did not inherit Adam's sin. In Romans, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. What does that mean? That means, look, Adam sinned, he became spiritually dead. Eve sinned, she became spiritually dead. And when they had children, they could not pass on to their children spiritual life. So their children were born spiritually dead. And that went from generation to generation to generation. And, and, and Mike, when you were born, which was probably just a few years after Adam, uh, uh, when you were born, is that all right, Mike? Okay, so... Uh, uh, the, when you were born, you inherited that same thing. You got from your parents spiritual death. So you had a body and a soul and a dead spirit separated from God, unable to get to heaven. So, that's, so, so, so if someone was going to die to give us spiritual life, it would have to be somebody who was born with spiritual life. How could that happen? God would actually take a perfect person, God the Father, would take God the Son and place him in the womb of a virgin 
and therefore he would not inherit Adam's dead nature. He would not, Jesus was born with a body and a soul and a spirit because he was born of a virgin. He did not inherit death. He did not inherit sin. So he could go to the cross and die for your sin. As a man, he could die for your sin, pay for your sin, be buried and rise from the dead. He could do that as God because as God, he could be everywhere at the same time. And as man, at one time in space and time, he could die for all of mankind's sin. What an amazing God. He was born of a virgin. He, was, he did not inherit sin. But you need to understand, he suffered and was tempted in all points just like you and I. In Hebrews, the Bible tells us this. For we have not a high priest, talking about Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So he feels what you feel. He, 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 he hurts when you hurt. But he was, he was in all points tempted just as we are, yet without sin. He overcame the temptation. He was tempted just the same way you're tempted, with the same desires that you're, that you're, that you're tempted with, and yet he did not sin. That, which means he's able to help us. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, he says this, For verily he took not on him, the word verily just means truly, truly he took not on him the nature of angels. He didn't become like an angel, but he took on the seed of Abraham. He became a man. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. We are his brothers and sisters. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For, now listen to these last words. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or to help them that are tempted. See, he's able to help you because he knows what you're going through. He's able to, to, to help you through the problems because he knows what it feels like. We have a God that is 100% human that he that that he he became that man so that he could suffer and feel and know all that you suffer and feel and know so he's with you through whatever you go through when you say god it, it hurts he says i understand and he does understand because he came so he could the Bible tells us this, he did that because he loves us. And in Luke, the Bible says the Son of Man, the Son of Man, 100% man, is come to seek and to save that which is lost. If you're glad he came to do that, say amen. Our God, our God. So he is 100%. We learn that from the Christmas story. Then we learn this from the Christmas story. I love this, that God always provides a way. God always provides a way. This baby had to be born in Bethlehem. However, G, uh, Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth, 70 miles uh, north, north uh, of, of Bethlehem. They lived. They had, to get from, they had to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They had to have a reason for going there. Why are they going to go to Bethlehem? Especially when she's nine months pregnant. Why, is, why would they do that? Because they were forced to. Oftentimes, God has to push us to where he wants us to be. But that, that had to happen. 
God provided a way. He worked through Caesar Augustus, and they had to travel. Now, we don't know how they got there. We don't know if Mary was on a camel. We don't know if he was on a, she was on a donkey and, and Joseph was standing in front. You say, of course she was on a donkey, and, Mary, and Joseph was pulling the donkey. Of course, I've seen those in pictures all my life. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the evidence. I've even watched the movie, and, jo- and Mary's always on a donkey going into Bethlehem. That's just what we've heard. The Bible doesn't say that. She may have walked 70 miles, nine months pregnant. Think about that. <laughs> that was a lady that laughed. you understand? It was a mother that laughed. I, and that's, a, that's amazing. But God provided a way. God provided a way. They needed privacy for the birth of the baby. God provided a barn. The baby needed a place to sleep. God provided a manger. God always knows how to provide for us. In fact, David said this. He said, I've been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. God always provides a way. I love this. Peter is reflecting about the coming of Christ. He's, he's, he's reflecting about about the fact that Jesus is going to come again and that there's going to be great trials on the earth before he comes. And he says this, in thinking about that time of tribulation, he says, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, that is, out of trials, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. I don't have to worry about what's going on with the unjust. I just need to make sure I'm doing what is right. I need to make sure that I'm obeying God. I need to make sure that my heart is right with God. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I do need to make sure that my heart is right with God. Why? Because God knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. God will take care of me. God will protect me. God will take care of my needs. And I need to understand this. We learn from the Christmas story that God provided for Mary. God provided for Joseph. God directed their path. God did take care of them. And God is able to provide for the needs of his children. Say amen to that. It's a wonderful truth we learn from the Christmas story. The last thing that I want you to see from the Christmas story is this, that the birth of Jesus should be celebrated. Can you say amen to that? I love the poinsettias. I love the Christmas trees. I love the lights. I love the singing. Tonight is going to be so much fun. Don't miss the fun tonight. Come and sing with everybody else as the choir sings, and we're going to sing Away in a Manger. We're going to sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. We're going to sing Jingle Bells. What's that got to do with Christmas? I don't know. We're going to sing, we're going to sing, uh, we're going to sing, uh, uh, Joy to the world. We're going to sing all the Christmas songs tonight. And then at the end, we're going to light a candle and we're going to sing Silent Night. And we're going to just have a good time tonight. We should celebrate the birth of Jesus. Say amen to that. It's the greatest thing in the world. The, the Bible tells us that the angels, the angels celebrated. In verse 10, it says, And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Man, every time somebody says, Hey, let's celebrate, I say, What are we going to eat? Uh, that's, that's, we celebrate. We should celebrate the birth of Christ. We, we, we should celebrate, the, the shepherds celebrated. In Luke, in verse 20, the Bible says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Can you imagine the, the, how excited they were 
They had seen the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior that they had been waiting for for centuries. They're excited. You know the Bible says in Galatians, Paul said it's good to be zealously affected. But you know what that zealously affected means? That means, Julius, get excited. There's some things to be excited about. When a child is born, you're excited. Any child is born, you're excited. Man, sometimes after you've, I, I talked to a father yesterday who's expecting their eighth child. Sometimes when you get an announcement after number seven and you think that's all and there's the eighth child coming, sometimes you can get depressed. Uh, but when, <laughs> when, when, the, when, the, when the baby is born, there's celebration. You're, you celebrate those things. You get a new car, you celebrate. You get, you get a new house, you celebrate. You, you, get to, you, get, you see a friend you haven't seen for a while, you celebrate. I mean, when, when the pandemic was in full swing uh, and we didn't see anybody for, for weeks. Remember we had that outdoor service? And then finally, for after weeks of not seeing each other, some of you came to that outdoor service and we, you drove by and just seeing your face, it just made you say, whoa, and you wanted a hug. And you said, nope, social distance. And you didn't do it. <laughs> you you want to celebrate. There are great things to celebrate. Paul said, listen, it's good to be zealously affected always, to celebrate always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you. Paul said, don't, don't just celebrate when I'm there. Celebrate all the time. Celebrate. We have something to celebrate in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The angels celebrated. The shepherds celebrated. Joseph and Mary celebrated. We ought to celebrate the birth of Christ. So we learn six things. Number one, God is love. We learn that he loves us. And he loves us unconditionally. And that's why we need a Savior. Second thing we learn is that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. If you're here and you think that you're going to get to heaven by being good, by, by going to church, by doing good works, you need to understand that is not right. There's no way you can save yourself. You need a Savior just like I need a Savior. And today you should trust Him as your Savior. Number three, you, that Christmas is all about giving. We should give to the Lord. We should give. I hope you're participating in the Christmas love offering. Man, because this is going to help missionaries around the world to celebrate. And then we see that Jesus is 100% God. He can equate to everything that you are going through. He understands. We see that, that God always provides a way. God is there to provide what you need when you need it. Don't ask him for it ahead of time. Just he'll be there to provide a way. And then we see that the birth of Jesus should be celebrated. Why? Because he is the Savior. Because God loves us. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that today. Let's pray. Father, help us to take what we've heard. Help us to apply it to our lives. I thank you, Father, for this time. I pray if there's somebody here right now that does not know you as their Lord and Savior and God, that today they'll put their faith and trust in you. They'll get saved. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I want to ask this question. Do you know for sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Is there a time in your life you personally asked Jesus to save you? If not, right now, you can. Jesus became a man so he could live on this earth and then die to pay for your sins in your place. He did that for you. 
He died. He was buried, stayed in the grave three days and three nights, then rose from the dead, was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses. And he wants you to go to heaven. But the only way you can get to heaven is by asking him to give you the eternal life that he died to give you. Right now, you can pray and you can ask him to give you eternal life. I'll tell you exactly what to pray. Just pray these words to him. Think about him and whisper these words to Jesus right now. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that you are God. And I admit that I am a sinner. And I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I know that you died in my place to pay for my sins. I believe that you were buried and rose from the dead three days later. And right now, in the best way I know how, I call on you and ask you to be my Lord and my Savior and my God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus and asked him to give you eternal life, you're a child of God, and we want to encourage you. Christian, would you just say, Lord, help me? Help me to remember that I needed a Savior, and so does everybody else around me. Help me not to be critical of other people. Help me to reflect your love to others. Help me to share your truth with those around me this week as we prepare to celebrate your birth. Would you make that commitment to Christ today? Father, thank you for your word. Help us to take the truth of your word and help us to apply it to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.